Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. And make sure to check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And now, the learning begins in three, two, one. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and my special guest today is a true inspiration in the movement to change our schools as I welcome in Mark Prinsky to the Reimagined Schools podcast. In 2001, Mark Prinsky coined the terms digital natives and digital immigrants to describe the global impact of technology and how the disconnect between teachers and students have continued to create new challenges throughout K-12 education. Mark is currently the founder and executive director of the Global Future Education Foundation and Institute. He's also the author of seven books, including Education to Better Their World, Unleashing the Power of 21st Century Kids, that won the Forward Indies 2016 Book of the Year Award for Education. Mark's background includes teaching at all levels, from elementary through college, and 10 years as founder and CEO of a software game development company. Be sure to follow Mark on Twitter and check out his website at markprinsky.com. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Mark Prinsky on the Reimagined Schools podcast. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagine Schools podcast. I'm very excited to have a very special guest today. He's an author, international speaker, and a practical visionary in education. Give a big welcome to Mr. Mark Prinsky. How are you, Mark? I'm well, thank you. You know, it is a tremendous honor to have the chance to talk with you. Um, you know, as an educator and someone working in higher ed now as a professor and director of a program, I'm one of the thousands of people that have cited your research over the years uh, as you've done some amazing work in education. So kudos to you for all your accomplishments and a big hearty thank you from all of us that you've helped out along the way. Well, thank you so much for those kind words. Um, hopefully I've uh, kept progressing and I'm going to share some uh, new perspectives. Yeah, I'm excited. You have some great ideas that we're going to talk about today, but you know, uh, you've listened to the show a few times and, and I appreciate that. And I hope all of our listeners enjoy the conversations that we have with different guests. And the general idea for this show is to talk about how we can reimagine schools and what we need to do to kind of rethink the traditional model. And uh, I've, I've heard you say that the traditional model you've described as a mess. And the acronym is M-E-S-S for Math, English, Science, and Social Studies. And the fact that everything after all these years is still content-driven and all about learning. That's something that uh, continues to frustrate, I think, both of us. Uh, I think it does. What I've determined is that there's plenty of people in the world now, probably uh, maybe even a, a, you know, a, a tipping point worth, that think that education's bad and that it's based on an old model and you can get almost anybody to say that in their own words. Uh, what we see less of is what to do. And the, uh, 
so I'm going to offer uh, an idea of what to do, um, and it's based on two new perspectives. Yeah, and, and we talked a little bit off air uh, about some of the great work that you're doing. And, and, and again, I've heard you speak uh, on YouTube, and I've read a lot of the, the materials that you've produced. But you're really looking at empowerment education and giving kids an opportunity to really make a, a difference in their lives from a global perspective. Is that right? That is right. The first perspective that I noticed that's different from um, what most people say is really about how we see young people. And in all the things that I read and all the pretty much in all the um, podcasts that I listen to, and I listened to all of them here before we did this, what, um, what we hear about is learners. We see young people from the perspective of adults and not at all from the perspective of people. And my next book is gonna be called, Our Kids Are Not Pets. Because that's so often, even with the best intentions, how we as adults treat them. And, and you know, that kind of goes back to that uh, digital native theme that, that you produced many years ago. And what amazes me is, even though we've been thinking about how kids are different, how they're wired different, how they want a different school experience, we continue to do the continue to do the same things over and over and over. And I've also heard you say that things move very quickly in this world, but they're also very slow to change and nothing could be more evident than the public school system. Well, that's really right. And one of the things that I did recently is I heard a, a young lady, a 15 year old in New Zealand, give a speech. She followed mine and she gave her C's, you know, there are all these three C's and four C's and seven C's and all these kind of things. Hers, were different than almost everybody else's. Her number one was change. That's what we have to deal with. That's what we have to focus on. Her number two was community. Her number three was curiosity, which is number seven on Tony's list. So the kids see the world very differently and we need to start seeing the world through their lenses. Uh, when you look out at your kids, if you're a teacher or even a parent, you need to see people with extended minds all networked together. Because that's what we have, especially in places with technology where all the kids have a cell phone. They have an extended mind and they are connected to every kid almost on the planet. And that's not every kid, but it's growing. We don't take into account at all uh, that the fact that they are already empowered and that our job is to empower them further. Next, we don't look at them, we talk about individualizing education, but essentially we look at them as herds. We look at them as groups and not as individuals. And increasingly what counts in the world is the individual and not the group that the individual happens to be part of because of when they were born. So uh, I think, and, and so we have this idea that kids are not capable of anything until we finished educating them. Oh my God, if they haven't you know, gone through 12 years to get a high school degree or a college degree, they're not capable of anything. And all of those things are false. And I'm also fascinated uh, with the idea that you've said that a lot of times we get way too focused on the ed tech tool and what the next thing is that, that we're going to bring into the classroom. But you say kids already have everything they need with that extended network. 
to, to achieve whatever they want to achieve in life. I think they do, but I want to see a totally different way of using it. So the second big perspective change that I have is about what being educated means, what an education is. And we've been captured, absolutely hijacked for the past hundred years by the academic view of education, that education is about thinking only. And that is what the academies did. That's what all our schools do. Critical thinking is now the biggest thing. I, as an aside, critical thinking is really just crap detection. We shouldn't give it that fancy name. But the academic view of the world is the only thing we do, and we're trying to improve it on the margins. There is, however, a much older tradition, thousands and thousands of years old, of accomplishment. It used to be parent to child, or master to apprentice, or tutor to individual. And that, this accomplishment tradition of getting things done in the world, of making the world you live in a better place in some way, that has totally gotten lost in our schools. So what I see is it's not a, at all about technology. Technology is a great boon. It's a great empowering tool. It gives these kids something that we never, ever had before. But what they really need to do with it is accomplish. The reason we learn is to be able to accomplish useful things. And those who want to learn for its own sake, we should continue the academic tradition. I have no problem with that. But what I'm now advocating is let's have two tracks in the world. Let's have the academic thinking track as much as we want. Let's try as everybody is to improve it on the margins. I'm, I'm happy that we do that. But for the people who really see the world differently, we need an accomplishment track. We need a separate education where kids start in kindergarten doing real world improving projects and continue to move all the way through middle school and high school and college. And if they do that, they'll be ready by the time they get to work to actually do things, to actually improve the world, to not start at the bottom of whatever profession or job they they take on, but to really contribute from day one. And, you know, we're throwing around a lot of terms right now in education. We're talking about deeper learning, design thinking, project-based learning, competency-based learning, and it, we're, we're kind of all over the place. And there are elements of all four of those that have wonderful ideas. But you're talking about something really different here about really diving into a project to accomplish a goal. Precisely. I, I don't, you know, all those things are nice, but deep learning doesn't interest me particularly for all our kids. Some kids, maybe, perhaps. What does interest me and what all kids are capable of, and this is why it's so wonderful, all kids are capable of having dreams, thinking up ways to accomplish their dreams, doing projects, connecting that to the world, and starting out to improve it. So kindergarten kids are improving their neighborhoods in many ways. And high school kids are making apps so that uh, bullied kids can find a table or we can measure 
the lead in the water in Flint, Michigan, or we can light our homes from soccer balls. This is, this is happening, and it's happening all over the world. And we, in our, in our attempts to, quote, improve education for everybody, we just ignore this, or we include it as a very much of an afterthought, as little projects here and there, or we do PBL, which is awful project-based learning. No, we need project-based accomplishment in the real world. And so I think that anybody who's listening to this, who's an educator, I, I think the solution is just to create a second track. Just like we used to have a vocational track, or we still do in some cases, that was lower down, now we need an academic track, fine, but an accomplishment track where that improving, making your world better, and learning as an afterthought in the process, as opposed to learning before you can do anything, really becomes the key. And I know our listeners that are tuned in uh, are, are thinking to themselves, uh, you know, what are some examples of, of doing this accomplished-based learning? And I will tell everyone that uh, Mark is the author of a wonderful book, Education to Better Their World, Unleashing the Power of 21st Century Kids. And if you go to markprinsky.com, it'll take you to a wonderful website, the Better Their World Student Project Database. And Mark, you have some incredible resources there, and you actually can click a link, and it will take you and show you what some amazing product, uh, projects that are happening throughout the world, and you can even submit your own project. Yeah, what I want to let people know and help them understand is that this stuff is already started. This is not something new. It's not in any country completely. It's probably not in any school district completely, but it is definitely in individual schools and individual programs and certainly in individual teachers' classrooms. And I think Ted Dindersmith pointed out a lot of this stuff. But what's missing is looking at this as a different kind of education so that the people in a particular school or building or district who want a different kind of education, who want to do things differently, can opt in to a separate system. And my big conclusion after looking at this and seeing how frustrated everybody gets is that you can't integrate the two. Maybe you can do one in the morning and one in the evening as some places are doing, but the old style of teaching, content delivery, the mess, even if you update it with technology or with social emotional or with STEAM or STEM, uh, is not going to do it. You really need to take the tack that from the beginning, education is about real world accomplishment. And we also talked off air a little bit about the fact that an added bonus to doing the, the secondary track is you get to do side-by-side -side testing. And I know testing is a dirty word for a lot of us in education, but in this case, I think it has some you know, some wonderful benefits in the fact that you can see from, from each perspective. Absolutely. One of the hardest, uh, the, the things that's impossible is to see how do these improvements make a difference? Because we only use one measure, the standardized test scores or the whatever test scores we use. What you really want to do is say, look, if you educate your kids in the academic way, you'll get these results and this amount of happiness and this amount of contentment and this amount of of kids ready for work or for life. 
And if you educate them in the other way, in the accomplishment way, you'll get a different amount of enthusiasm and interest and learning and connection to passion and connection to one's skills. And we need to put those side by side. And if I could take you into, into the classroom, if we can kind of reflect on what that looks like on a day-to-day basis with the classroom teacher uh, and, our, and our school learners. You know, a lot of the frustration that I hear, especially from teachers, is things, again, are moving so quickly. We're really teaching skills or teaching content uh, that's going to be obsolete soon. And that can become a very frustrating uh, thing to deal with. So when you talk to classroom teachers, or if you have them ask you questions about the best way to go about doing some of these projects, what are some of those key components that, that you would give them? I think we have to stop teaching stuff, any stuff, that the idea of school as adults teaching stuff to kids that we think they need is really um, accepted on an individual basis is not right. What we need to do is empower kids. We need to coach kids. If school were really about kids, here's what we'd do. You would show up and I would say, Greg, welcome to school. Tell me your dreams. Tell me what you want to do. Where do you want to go? Tell me about your strengths. Tell me about what you care about in the world. Tell me about your passions. My only job is to help you get there. That's not at all what we do now. Now we say, we have this curriculum, and okay, it was better than last year, and better than last year, and better than last year, but it isn't. And it's curious. We talk about creativity, and you know who and everybody else talking about creativity till we're blue in the face. The most creative thing that came out of our kids and our generation in the last, you know, 25 years is, is hip hop and rap. And that had nothing to do with school. It didn't matter whether we taught the arts or not. That was something that got developed bottom up by the kids. And that's what's happening all over the world. And we have to encourage it to happen and get rid of what we used to think of as the purpose of school. And a lot of times we also talk about this idea that teachers have to get out of the way. We have to let kids be kids. We have to let them be creative. You know, we've talked about the four C's throughout this conversation, but we can't continue to tell them what to do and then expect them to be critical thinkers. I don't think of it as getting out of the way. I think of it as coaching. The idea of a coach in sports, for example, is not that the person, the coach knows more or is a better player. It's that the coach is adept at getting the individuals on the team to maximize their abilities and then to work together as a team. That's not getting out of kids' way. It's very much in their way, but it's in a different way. And I also know you have a background in in game design. You've designed some games, and and you've written a book uh, about that. Um, Do you see gameplay as something that's relative uh, in the learning process uh, in school systems? Very occasionally. I, I really changed my mind on games. I originally thought that because they were so engaging, we could put in the content we wanted, and it would work. But it doesn't for a number of reasons. It's too hard to do, it changes too fast. Uh, some simulation is useful in some, in some instances, but that is totally different. That's saying, let's teach the mess with games. Who cares? Let's 
have the kids figure out projects that they design with our help, that they care about, and let's let them do them and figure out where they fit into teams and how good they are and what their strengths are. And I'd love to see a kid leave the track that I'm talking about, the accomplishment track, with hundreds of projects under their belt. And imagine if they had done that with good coaching from, from teachers who want to do that instead of deliver content. It would be terrific, and we would be so far ahead. And every single kid could benefit from it because every single kid has something that they want to do if we help them find that. And it kind of goes to the conversation of, again, uh, another thing that's popular or trendy in our schools, and I do find some value in it, but that would be coding. Uh, but if you really think about what you're talking about, coding is simply an activity uh, to learn something new. Uh, but, it, you, you know, if you're allowing kids to break up into teams and do project-based learning, maybe create their own apps, then it has a far greater impact. And it's not even, if we think about coding, which is a useful uh, tool, and, and making apps, which is a useful tool, those are all nice, but what to what end? That's what keeps getting lost. Why am I doing this? Why would I be learning coding? I'd be learning coding so that I can accomplish something useful in the world. A girl makes an app to, for her grandmother who has Alzheimer's that uses facial recognition so her grandmother can point the phone and know who's coming into the room. That, that's why she codes. It's not to learn coding. It's, not, not, it's the wrong concept of what kids need to do in the world. They don't need to be learners of stuff. They need to be accomplishers of useful, positive goals. And, uh, you know, just kind of thinking out loud here, uh, you know, again, you, you bring up some wonderful points and things that uh, certainly need to be thought about as we think about reimagining schools. If Mark Prinsky had a magic wand, or if you had the ability to design your own school, what would a Mark Prinsky school look like? I think there are lots of these around the world. First of all, there's no one model. So that uh, what, what I think we need, and people talk a lot about a platform. Well, I think we do need a platform, but not in the sense of a tech platform, in the sense of the platform of the Democratic or Republican Party, i.e. these are the principles that we want to have in education. And they're very short and they're very, uh, they can be done in many, many millions of ways. We need to see our kids as empowered and empower them further. We need to see their mission as making their world better. And they can be the judge of that. And the best way to do that is through continuous real world projects. And the last part has to do with the coming automation, which is, and people have talked about this in your other podcasts. And the way I put it is that anything that two people can do equally well at any level can and will be automated. So that the only protection against automation is uniqueness. It's not that I want some guy to do a podcast. I want Greg's podcast because he's good at it or better at it than anyone else. And we have never encouraged our kids to become unique. But if we don't, 
they will not, they will be lost in the world. And when I say unique, I mean in what they care about, in what their strengths are, and what they love to do. So Mark, when will the new book come out and what can we expect as we're talking about how we look at kids and your theme is going to be kids are not pets. There's something entirely different. Yes. And I'm really, I, I, I don't know. I hope uh, I can get to it by the end of the year, but you know, as I, as I reviewed all these podcasts, I'm thinking, God, we still just write books and think that's going to make a difference. We are living in the 20th century. You know, I'm 72. Um, you know, Tony Wagner is 72. I don't know how old some of these other people are who have done your podcasts. We think books make a big difference. They hardly do anymore. We have to find other ways of getting ideas and information and, and, and practice and, and into, into people's hands that are much more efficient. You can't just have the, the pile of 15 books at which there might be some nugget in the bottom. That's really terribly inefficient. It's like, as I told you before, you know, trying to go through all the podcasts or all the videos that, uh, that What's-His-Name has taken. Um, they're great to have all these things, but we need faster ways to take things in and do things. The kids all watch videos at double speed. Reading is a slow process. Uh, we've got to, and, and I don't have all these answers, but we're not even looking for those answers. We're just saying, let's do the old stuff and let's do it in the old way. And these are the things that were important in the 20th century. So let's think about new ways to, you know, make them more attractive to kids. The idea is not to engage kids in what we want. The idea is to engage kids in what they want. And, you know, school leadership is going to be a big part of any change um, at the school level or district level. I work with aspiring principals uh, in higher education. I also uh, am, a, am a resource for uh, current and active school superintendents and principals. What advice do you give those folks as they think about this monumental task of thinking differently about what school should look like? I think it's really clear and probably easy. And this is what I'm starting to talk about now. I think the answer is a school within a school. I went to one when I, because there was a portion of the student body that was different from the other portion. We do it for credit recovery. We do it for special needs kids. We do it for many, many things. We need a school within a school focused on accomplishment. It's extremely doable. Any administrator could do it tomorrow. They would all benefit by having all their staff that really wants to do this something differently opt in. They would get the kids who, and the parents who are interested in doing something different to opt in. They would get businesses because it's the projects are connected to businesses to opt in. And if they just started this and then saw how well it went and it, you know, exchanged information among themselves about how to do it a little bit better, this could go very, very fast because every administrator could start this next September. Yeah, and that's just, that's incredible that, you know, with the resources that you provided and by listening to this podcast, you can certainly reach out to Mark and ask him questions. He's always 
you know, available to, to help you in any way. And those school leaders out there that want significant change, certainly check out Mark Prinsky because he's the real deal and he's doing some great things. Mark, I can't thank you enough for being here. And as we close, I do want to give you just one final closing thought. Uh, just, you know, what is the message out there that you think will resonate and help with this change process? I think the key message is really to listen to kids with, with open ears. I've heard about student voice and I've heard about lots of things. That's not really listening. I'd like a kid to become the principal of the school or the co-principal of the school. I'd like to see the ideas that kids constantly all over the world tell me they have and they're not listened to. I would like to see those ideas put into place. The number one thing that kids around the world tell me is lacking in their education is respect from their elders. I leave it with that. Well, again, Mark, it's been an honor to talk with you. Uh, you've been so influ influential to so many of us in the field of education and be sure to look for the new book that's coming out. Uh, hopefully we'll be looking for that in 2019. Uh, Mark has also written uh, other books, seven total that you can check out that are fantastic. So be sure to follow Mark Prinsky on Twitter and check out his website at markprinsky.com. And as always, I want to thank all of our loyal listeners for tuning in to the Reimagined Schools podcast. And as always, folks, do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Thank you for listening to the Reimagined Schools podcast with Dr. Greg Goins. Be sure to continue the conversation on social media with the Reimagined Schools hashtag and subscribe to the podcast at reimaginedschools.net. You can also help support this podcast by clicking on the listener support link and making a small monthly contribution. Contact Dr. Greg Goins today to invite him to speak or present at your next education conference or professional development day. Please send inquiries to drgreggoins at gmail.com or on Twitter at drgreggoins.